Hey everyone, welcome back to Physical Kids Weekly, a podcast dedicated to all things magicians. I'm Clara. And it's Danny. Today we'll be talking about episode three of the sci-fi TV series, which is called Consequences of Advanced Spellcasting. The Wikipedia summary here is Allison Quentin find out that her brother, Charlie, was consumed by magic and turned into a Niffin five years ago. When they did find him, he acts differently and Quentin binds him. Devastated about what happened to her brother, Alice leaves break bills. Julia struggles to balance learning magic with maintaining her previous life. Elliot searches for the book that Katie stole from Marina, which leads him and Quentin to Marina's hedge witch's safe house, where Quentin finds and confronts Julia. Penny, after being assigned incorrectly to the psychic discipline, discovers he is a quote-unquote traveler who has the ability to travel between worlds. Before we get started, I want to make a few quick announcements. First, starting next week, we're going to put season one aside to discuss the new episodes as they come out. So we'll pick up the discussions of season one when the show goes back into hiatus in, what is it, March or April? Second, we have a special treat for you for the season two premiere. Arjun Gupta, who plays Penny, will be joining us to answer questions and talk about the episode. Now, to business. All of you who've seen this know this is a really, really funny episode, so we put together a supercut of some of the best one-liners. We'll start with that. I'm a nothing man, sir. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a squat man, sir. I'm not an experienced drinker, Quentin. I couldn't tell. Phosphomancy, bitches! Do you know how to close your mind? Because I will show you right now. I, I thought I was. Elliot gave Seriously, me man? Taylor Swift? You're stupid. You have a stupid face. Marco's discipline is gossip, so... Less talking, no touching. (laughs) All right, so we'll start with the typical question. Danny, what did you think of this episode? I have a very, very much love-hate for this episode. Oh, yeah? It's yet another filler episode. Um, But, of course, like, most TV shows when they first start out have quite a bit of filler until they get into their stride. Would you say um, it's fillery? Ha, yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, go ahead. Just had to make that joke. I do have to, to point out before we get started, but the, the song that they start the episode with is one of my favorite songs of all time. And when I heard it, I the first time I pretty much squeed a little bit. <laughs> what's the, what's the song? <laughs> it's... It's actually just a, an instrumental track, but it's called Intro by the XX. And Oh, I've seen that on a couple of the playlists. Yes, they, they're they amazing, um, but that song in particular, there's just something about the beat that's just so beautiful, and I was so happy to see it, especially with like the juxtaposition of Julia and Quentin, where they're yet again pointing out the differences between their their learning of magic. Cool. Um, you know, I, I was thinking of something the other day because you said you also really like the the episode, or the um, song that opens the first episode. What is that one called? That one is. I want to say it's "Kids" by MGMT. I know it's by MGMT for sure. Yeah, I I remember that too. <laughs> it was on NPR today. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, what is happening when NPR and the magicians have the same music? <laughs> oh, it's also the it's also the song in the trailer for the new Spider Man movie. Oh, cool! I haven't seen that yet. Um, so yeah, tell me about your love hate relationship. You said there's like a lot of filler here. What do you really like? Well, I, I guess it's not even necessarily filler. It's just a lot of changes that I'm not okay with. 
So tell us about some of those. So Quentin doesn't have a discipline. He very famously doesn't have a discipline, Mm -hmm. which is very interesting. Um, I love that difference in the books, but they kind of make him seem like a dummy in the episode, which I'm not okay with because he's actually very smart. I know what you mean, but I I don't know. I had a different interpretation because the way that I saw it in the books, right, he has all this self-doubt about it. Like he, he has all those questions and wonders like, what does it mean that I don't have a discipline? So I kind of wondered if, you know, if it was because they couldn't be in his head that they were externalizing that. That's true. I mean, they could have been showing it from a different way. Like, it was definitely more of a self-doubt thing in the books. But they very much make it a point to say, like, how smart he is, how him and Alice skipped a year, how, like, it's, yeah. there's a lot of things that I just didn't like about it, like the way that they, they went about it. But, of course, you know, to... To, like, deliver that comedic line, nothing, man, sir. (laughs) Yes, it was a really good line. I love it. Isn't that, we have, I think we have one person in in the FTB in our um, group chat who goes by Squatmancer, right? That's Naomi. Naomi? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's definitely a classic line. And I think that's, right, like, there are a lot of one-liners in this episode. There's a lot of really good, like, pithy, glib um, quick dialogue, which I don't think we really saw in either of the first two episodes. Yeah, there's so many funny moments that I, I love in this episode that pretty much save it for me. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, so- like the part where Alice is pouring like way too much sugar into her tea. Or coffee. Oh, yeah. And, like, Maddie, oh, my like, God. made it into a meme. <laughs> yeah, well, and, like, Quentin's just looking at her, like, okay, crazy person. <laughs> Which I think is so funny because he's... I, one of the things that I think you really see in this episode is Quentin's judgmental side. Oh, yeah. But, like, the funny part of his judgmental side. And you get to see, right, more of the physical kids. You get to see drunk Alice, inexperienced drunk Alice. Yes. Um, I really liked the, that's stupid. You're stupid. You're, you have a stupid face. <laughs> yes. Her drunk <laughs> flirting is beautiful. <laughs> oh my God. And, and it has, this has, for me, this was, this was one of the very first episodes where I really, where, where I really connected with Summer as, as Margot slash Janet um, and again, for those of you who are just joining us, we're huge book fans, so we we talk a lot about the books. Janet is the name of Margot's character in the books. Um, please read but like, the books. Yeah, please read the books. Do yourself a favor. I actually, I I have a friend who pinged me on Facebook this week and was like, hey, so I, I binged the Magicians TV show and I loved it. And do you think I should read the books? I've heard mixed things. And I think my exact response was, oh my God, you have to do it right now. And she was like, okay, okay, okay. So, but yeah, you have to read the books. They're so good. It's funny because a lot of people are like, oh, these books are really long. And I'm like, but they're like not that long. No, they're like 300 pages, which is nothing. I mean, you sat through like 600 pages per Harry Potter book for the last three. But you, you, can do, you do have to take into account that like one Harry Potter book is actually about the same size as an editions book because of the font size. Oh, that's true. That's true. But either way, I mean, I'm sorry. They're good books. They go quickly. Just do it. They do. <laughs> um, they do. But I do know that Lev has... 
his prose is very, very deep sometimes. And for it's some, deep, but I don't think it's for some people that could be hard to read. Um, especially because my being an English major, even I found myself looking up words sometimes. But I think that's fun. Some people don't. Yeah. I would still, I mean, just go read them. You're right that you have to like, that there's a lot of like vocabulary in them and there's, it's very elegant and fluid prose, but it's not dense, right? Like we've talked a lot in the group about, um, there's a lot of us who really love Donna Tartt, right? It's nowhere near the secret history like that. (laughs) I love that book, but it's so hard to read. Yeah. It's like 600 pages and it's super dense. (laughs) So I understand why it's taken you a while. (laughs) I found myself just like rereading like paragraphs and being like, did I read this? No, I didn't read this. I'm not sure anymore. (laughs) All right. Uh, I should probably not take us too far off topic. Okay. So favorite scenes go. Oh gosh. I have a lot of favorite scenes. Um, Like Alice is drunk flirting. Um, I love when her brother flips everybody off from the fountain Oh, yeah. So, like, it doesn't need to be there, but I'm so glad it's there. <laughs> I feel like that goes... If, if, okay, so if you read the books, one big theme about Niffins is that they're basically, like, anger incarnate. And I feel like that was a really good, subtle way to show that. I love Niffins. I love mm-hmm. everything about them. So it was really interesting to see a Niffin already, but it does yeah. bother me at the same time. Like, that whole storyline bothers me which we can get into later on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anything, those are, okay, so that was a couple. I'll say some of mine and then you tell me to. I really like, so I liked Fogg's speech at the beginning where he's sort of talking about, it, it, it mirrors a speech in the book that is also sort of about Niffins where he's telling them like, don't use battle magic. Like you need to be really in control of your emotions when you're using magic because if you're not, bad things can happen. Yeah. Um, and I really liked that speech here and it was interesting because temporally, like it, it, the, the events are all out of order from the books in the TV show. Um, and this was one of those points, but it was also really poignant and sort of made sense, right? Like they've just experienced something traumatic with the beast attack. They're recovering from it. He's coming back. Like fog is coming back from that. And here is his sort of lesson for them. As bad as it gets, stay in control. So I'm not positive. Is, is, um, are Niffins Lev's creation or are they something else? Are they, do they exist outside of the Magician's universe? I'm not positive. I've looked it up a couple times before and I don't feel like I've found much, um, other than what he does. But I think like there's definitely it definitely draws from other things. I remember, so we, we interviewed love in what March of last year. Yeah. Um, and he had, we asked him about Niffins and sort of the relationship between Niffins and mental illness. And he said some really cool things. One of which is um, he's, he always sort of thought of it as like what happens when you have a lot of emotion, which could be like in your life in in like social interactions or it could be in creating art that he already sort of felt writing was like that for him you it just it's so intense you always feel on your edge on the edge of um really sort of it being too much um and he told us about this news article he read 
Um, do you remember this? Not particularly. I'm, I I don't remember this. Did, okay, this I think you know what I say. No, this was the this was the Q and A, the like uh, emailed one, oh, the very okay, first one. Yeah, yeah. And in this article, it was it was an article about a woman who was having a mental breakdown at an airport, um, and. He, I think he said the line in it that really stuck with him and really, really mirrors the magicians was um, something along the lines of she felt like she was, she felt like she was catching fire in the middle of the airport. Nobody noticed. Um, and again, like go read the books. This is not a huge spoiler. The very first line of the books is Quentin did a magic trick. Nobody noticed. Yes. And I've always thought that was like really, really poignant. I, love the the idea of nobody noticing i think it's a really great commentary on our society because it's like even if people do notice they're not going to say anything the whole bystander effect yeah and they try to appear as though they're not noticed i mean this is the thing with like uh mentally ill people like if you've been to any big city or you live in a big city you see this all the time where there's you'll find people talking to themselves on the street and everybody just tries to ignore them like yeah. actively tries to ignore them. So I want to play one clip related to Niffins, which is uh, there's a scene where uh, Emily Greenstreet is talking about what happened to Alice's brother, Charlie. And it's, it, it kind of calls back to a lot of those things in the books we just talked about. It burned right through him until he wasn't there anymore. He, he was... Do you know what a niffin is? No. Yes. It's when too much runs through you. Consumes you. You're, only the magic is left. But you're not... you anymore. You're... lost. Where did Charlie go? I don't know. He was, he was just gone. Yeah. So I found that I found that whole scene really poignant, and um, I don't know how you felt about this. So in the books, Janet and Alice have have a very acrimonious relationship, and Janet tells Alice what happened to her brother. Uh, she doesn't she just doesn't tell know. Alice. She says it as a like. Like a, almost yeah, like a party story in front of everybody just to get a reaction out of her. But yeah, no. she's like trying to get attention and tell a story and then like really hurt Alice in a way that it just puts her in a really bad position. Yes. One thing that I like in the series and that really caught my eye in this show both the first time and now is that Janet and Alice, I mean, there's obviously some tension between them, right? There's some malice. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, Margot and Alice. There's some malice between Margot and Alice. Um, but at the same time, it's clear that they also have some affinity and some, right? Like, there's some good intention between them as well. Well, you get a very different relationship in the show because of the yeah. whole fact that there's only five physical kids in the book, whereas yeah. in the show, there's at least a good 20 or 30. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I really liked this and 
I mean, I feel, I feel weird about, and we talked about this last episode too, I think, like, I feel a little bit weird about how central Charlie's story is to Alice's story in the early episodes. I really hate it. That's my biggest, <laughs> my biggest problem with this episode is just Alice caring so much about what happened to her brother when she really doesn't care that much. Well, she does. She does care, but she doesn't let it affect her at all because she's very intelligent and very school driven. And all she cares about is her education. And so the choices she makes just are not Alice. So I get what you're saying in that way. I wouldn't say that that means it doesn't affect her. I think it's pretty clear that it affects her. And actually, right, like, it feeds into that, too. She's so afraid that she's not good enough, in part because she doesn't know, she doesn't know the role that Magic played in in her brother's death in the books. But I also think, right, like, I, I just think she is traumatized by having grown up both in his shadow and then having him die in a way that she, like, she has no idea how he died in the books. None whatsoever. So, I mean, I think it affects her. I I think you're right though, that she doesn't like, she doesn't let it get in her way. It's just like she, as a character, wouldn't sacrifice everything for somebody that she can't save. She's not that She's too pragmatic. That's true. She's way too pragmatic for that. Whereas like, she would definitely sacrifice herself for her friends that are living. Yeah, I think she absolutely would. I mean, I do think that in creating this and her knowing things might make a specific thing later on a lot more powerful. <laughs> there was one other thing that I really, really loved from the, the that came out of the storyline about Alice and her brother, uh, which is this scene. Charlie used to sing to me my favorite song when I I was feeling bad, which is kind of all the time. Won't you come see about me? Is it the breakfast club? I'll be alone dancing, you know it, baby. Tell me troubles and doubts, giving me everything inside and out. Don't you forget about me. Don't, 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 don't. Alice, look. Yeah, so can we can we just talk about Olivia's voice? It's beautiful. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't know, it's just such a tender moment. And and a tender moment not just like because she's She's trying to save her brother or whatever, but also because she's sharing this with Quentin. Her and Quentin share a lot. Um, they really do. I, I love their relationship. Uh, we haven't really gotten that much into it in the show. Not even still. Yeah. Their relationship is so deep. And honestly, like, everyone read the last book because you will cry and cry yes. and cry over the way that Quentin talks about Alice. Ugh. <laughs> it's such a good book. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I cried over a plant in that book, so. <laughs> I, the Magician's Land is such beautiful payoff. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the ending is just really incredible. Anyway, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Veering off topic again. <laughs> but that, um, there are things, though, that, that are said, uh, like, that come out of the Niffin storyline. Like, as much as I hate it, yeah. there's, like, things that are said between, like, Quentin and Alice that I just feel like if things go the way they should later on will be really beautiful payoff. All right, so what, what about the other storylines? Were there any moments that you really loved or hated in those? So I love Julia's speech about magic. Oh, yes, I have that. Do you want me to play it? Yes, play it. All right. So that's it? That's all you're going to say to me? Don't talk to her. Keep going. I don't know what you're doing here, Jules. You're better than this. Yeah. You say that like I had a choice. Of course you have a choice. No, because guess what? Magic wasn't just handed to me. I told you to please tell them about me. At first, you know, I thought maybe they'd actually test me then. And then I figured someone would at least come and try to take my memory again, and then... Just waiting. It took me weeks to realize you never even told them about me at all. Look, Jules, I... You were my best friend. Yeah, and so I, I, I let it go. What does that mean, you let it go? No, that's crazy. The I can actually do... break bills, Jules, they can bend light. They can read minds. They can fly. You can do a party trick. This is it, huh? The real you. You ever stop to think about how maybe you treated me? Ugh, this makes me so mad. I was always there. What, you were so nice and you were so sweet to, to you? Poor little Q couldn't get his shit together. Don't Between you and James, I was, I was a two-for-one charity case. Why are you because that is true, Julia. No, that's not true at all. You know how I felt about you. I don't know. Admit it. Just admit it. Admit it. <laughs> so you're going to punish me for that? I don't know what else to say. You, I don't, you can't blame me. Yes, she can. Does James even know that you're here? You're hanging out with a bunch of tweakers who are turning tricks for spells. Are you kidding me? These people Stop slumming because you're pissed that you lost for once in your life. I'm sorry, but I mean it. You could really get hurt doing this shit, and for what? Grow up. Do you love magic? Is it in your soul? Is it like the secret heart of what you always were? Yeah. So you know how I feel. Yeah, so that is this, such a good scene. It's such a good scene. It's very out of character for Quentin, though, unfortunately. And I think it makes people hate him, and that's what sucks, is that he, he gets fucked over to the audience. I was going to say, like, this This scene makes me, in this scene, I understand why people, especially people who just see the show, would hate him. And I think, but, you know, listening to it again, I think it's the same thing. I think they're, like, taking Quentin's internal thoughts and feelings about himself and externalizing that for the show. Because it's, I mean, it's just really hard to show somebody hating themselves. Like, I see that both of their points of view, like, I see where she's coming from and that she feels very betrayed that he would do that from her for to her. But yeah. I also see where he's coming from, as in, like, she ditched him and she made him feel like magic was stupid and Fillory was stupid. 
and she's been abandoning this for years and now all of a sudden because she has magic it matters yeah i i guess i can i hadn't really thought about it that way but you're right like there's that that like conversation they have in the first episode where he basically yells at her that he learned magic for her and to keep up with her and she bailed because she i mean it really mirrors that because she's she sees that as part of growing up and now i think this is his revenge right like he he gets it he gets to have magic and she doesn't. He has he a petty, petty way of showing it, but at the same does. time, he does care about her. He's saying, like, get out of this messy situation, please. You need to take care of yourself. Um, because yeah. cause he knows that no matter what he does, like, they're not going to accept her at break bills. Like, they're not going to go back on the yeah. third. And I think, like, they make that clearer in... Love makes that clearer in the books than they make it in the show, but it, it's still a fundamental truth. There's no second chance for break bills. Yeah. I really loved... God, I loved a lot of Julia's stuff in this episode, which is... I mean, there wasn't much of it, but what was there was really good. Yeah, I mean, she was by far, I think, the strongest performer in the, sh- in the episode just because of how powerful, powerful her individual scenes were. I mean, it's still probably the episode that most, for me, feels like she's Julia from the books. Yeah. Because I think Stella really gets that desperation. And even though this scene is sort of turned around from the way that it is in the books, I, I think she still conveys all of that feeling and all all that emotion and all that desperation really, really well. Yeah. I mean, it's you get this, like, hipster grunge version of her rather than boss-ass <laughs> Julia, but, like, it, she, yeah. really, she really does understand her character. Yeah, she really does. Um, anything else? There was things I loved uh, like about Elliot. His casual mm-hmm. spell casting is beautiful. <laughs> Wait, what are you talking about? Like when sure they okay this. when they show up at the safe house and he just like kind of like almost imperious curses the other guy into like letting them in. Like he just so casually says this like string of Latin words and then they get into. The I thought that was. I thought that was Spanish, but maybe I just wasn't listening closely enough. I assume it's Latin. <laughs> I thought he was just speaking Spanish to him. <laughs> but... No, because, like, the guy gets, like, this dazed look in his eyes, and it just very much reminded me of, like, the Imperial curse in, like, Harry Potter. Just, like, Potter. let me do what I want. <laughs> oh, that reminds me, though. I would like to have a talk with Jason Ralph about his Turkish pronunciation, because it is terrible. <laughs> it is truly awful. Jason, come talk to me. I will teach you how to do Turkish vowels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also loved, um, there's like small things. Like I love when Margot and Elliot are like watching the party and just like their weird romantic friendship in the corner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and she's asking him, like, why are you always obsessed with first-year boys, your flavor of the month or whatever like that? And And he says, oh, yeah, you want to say the line? He, like, defends Q, doesn't he? He does. What he says is, like, he's a tragic nerd boy and we like those or something like that. It's really, really cute. He was kind of in a way being like, oh, but but Quentin is different. (laughs) (laughs) And I also love at the very end, like, when they get back and Katie's, like, trying to break in and she just immediately cock blocks, like, whatever could potentially happen between Elliot and Quentin at the end of the episode. Oh, yeah. And I also <laughs> love that, like, Quentin's like, should we help her? And Elliot's like, no, immediately, because, you know, 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I will say, so the the one storyline that really didn't do anything that or that didn't really do anything for me in this episode was was Penny's. I'm interested in that. I like that they made him a traveler and gave him this like it's it's a version of what he does in the books, but it's more explicitly magic rather than like all studied. But for some reason, that storyline in this episode just didn't land for me. I I didn't like the whole psychic trope thing that it went into. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, I thought, like, I still thought it was interesting. It was important to, to reveal that he was a traveler. Um, yeah. I guess since of the way that they decided to take the traveler storyline in the show. Um, <laughs> oh, we have to talk about the books fucking because that's, like, one of the funniest parts. Oh, of the yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to record that, except for that you can't really hear it. It just sounds like paper hitting paper. <laughs> so. Yeah, so everybody that hasn't seen that, you can probably look that up on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Please please look up books fucking on YouTube. You're not going to find anything bad, I swear. <laughs> I mean, red tube, maybe. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's it's really good. I loved – I also really liked that, like, Elliot – That like, that is a total excuse for Elliot to get Quentin. He's like, oh, come with me. You have to help me save the parties right now. We have to find the fucking books. Yeah. I also really liked that it's like, she's going to take us to her mate. <laughs> that – Elliot did not need Quentin there for any of that. That was just totally no. an excuse to hang out with, with Quentin. Yeah. And then, like, and then I he's also like, kinda... he kind of sets up playtime for Margot and Alice in a way, too. Yeah, he does. I, I always am impressed by, like, Elliot is very savvy in a very subtle way. Yeah. I really like that line, too, that Quentin gives, <laughs> where it's like, uh, well, Margot's discipline is gossip. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to know what her actual discipline is, though. I mean, like, she's a physical kid, but, like, it, well, I know what it is in the books, but I'm not convinced that it's the same. I don't remember a lot of theirs, like, singular ones. I, I remember Quentin's because I love it, because it kind of really makes sense to his character, and they do kind of show it soon. Isn't, okay, isn't Janet's in the book, I mean, okay, it has to be something to do with... <laughs> That could have been it. Elliot's just straight up telekinesis, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. But also Elliot's like good at everything in the book. Yeah, they so... basically explicitly say that he's like a jack of all trades. Yeah, um, which I really like because, <laughs> I don't know, specialization is for A lot of the physical ants. kids appear to be that way. They appear to be very good at all forms of physical magic. It's just that they have that one that they're really good at. Well, I think that's sort of what sets them apart from the other disciplines is that, right, like, physical magic as a discipline is just, like, you can affect the world, which is also all magic. Yeah. Well, physical magic is more, like, tangible, I guess. Uh, But it's also rarer in the books. I mean, there's only five physical kids. Yeah, as opposed to an entire party house full. Yeah. <laughs> Who are all these other people? Oh, my God. I was actually starting to wonder. I was like, maybe they don't live there. They just party there. I think a lot of them, it's that. But still, like, there's... Also, like, there's not supposed to be that many students at the school, period. And there's that many partying at the physical kids' cottage. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, like, the Harry Potter effect, too. Like, um, Yeah, that's true. You know that there's only supposed to be, like, in that castle, like, there's only supposed to be, like, ten kids for each year. For Harry Potter? Like, ten kids for each house each year. So that's, like, 
Yeah, so like 40 kids times seven years, like 300 total. Yeah, like that's it. But you mm-hmm. see way more than that eating in the Great Hall during the movies. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you have, well, and that's a, yeah, it's big. It's a movie magic thing, like in TV shows, like they need to fill the space. Yeah. So that it looks busier. Okay, uh, before I forget, let's talk about fashion in the show. Any standouts for you? I'm trying to remember in this one in particular. I love uh, Arjun's little, like, Dementor getup. <laughs> I mean, he looks like a Dementor or, like, uh, the Kermit meme. He kind of does. I keep I keep feeling like you know, he wears all these vests, and I keep feeling like he needs a cape. He wears, like, vests and then those very, like, uh, I, don't, I don't even know how to explain it, but those, like, the, like, very flowy garments. He wears a lot of jewelry, too. I, I noticed that this episode. I was trying to find something after Arjun told us that, like, they plant all those character things in his clothes. I was looking for something, I and I couldn't like figure never, it out. But I feel like I'm never going to figure that out. I know. Maybe <laughs> we just have to harass him about it on air next time. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I, he, he's wearing this, like, green stone necklace in this episode. And there were, I mean, I don't know. I think there were a lot of good, there's a lot of good jewelry in anyway. Elliot is on point as always. Amazing oh. hair, red blazer, green vest, this like yellow paisley tie and this like bl- gray blue dress shirt. Ugh, just gorgeous. I always think that Julia looks perfect in like every episode. Like her, yeah. her aesthetic is everything that I want for my life, but can't afford. Yeah, she looked really good. And I think like, I don't feel like we've gotten to the really outrageous Margot fashion yet, but there were some there were some good things that sort of hid behind the radar. Like at the party, she's wearing those. She's wearing this like black and white tube top and her thigh high welters socks. I remember liking what she wore there, and then I always just love the line of when she's like talking about her shoes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> These shoes are ridiculous or something like that. She makes that comment at least like two to three times in the first season alone. <laughs> You'd think that like being a physical magician, she could do some magic to make her heels not hurt. But yeah. What's she going to do? Um, I also really liked Emily Greenstreet's outfit and especially the shirt, the like white blouse that she's wearing. It has this like cool ruffle thing at the top that or not ruffle, but like um, pleated top that I thought was really good. Definitely not my style, but I can see where you would like it. It's like a, it's like a business chic. Yeah. And I really like a lot of the like cool business fashion, even though, I mean, in my job, I don't wear it. I wear jeans most days, but like, (laughs) (laughs) I really like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's fun to look at. And I like, I don't know. I like subtlety a lot um, in like, that's my aesthetic in general, I guess. Um, and so I think a lot of business fashion, because it's so conservative, they, in order to make it interesting, they have to do subtle things like that, like the um, pleat on the top of that blouse. Yeah. I noticed that she was wearing a Walters uniform when they first show her. Yeah, in the picture. Yeah. I'm just so, like, is everybody a fucking physical kid? Like... <laughs> I think everybody is. <laughs> They're not even really trying. It's, it's the Gryffindor of fucking break bills. <laughs> it is. Dean Fogg, I don't feel like he knows how to mix patterns. He was wearing, like... He's also blind now. That's, okay, that's true. That's fair. <laughs> but I feel like he probably gets help. No, no, no. But I feel like he's also too proud to accept help. That might be true. But he's putting on those glasses when they're, when they're like, testing the disciplines. 
Yeah. And he makes some comment about how he gets more blue. So I think, like, I think he gets some vision through the magic glasses, but I'm not clear on exactly how much. But yeah, he has this, like, red paisley tie and this, like, weird, not quite polka dot yellow um, handkerchief. And then his shirt is, like, gray checks. It was way busy. Professor Sunderland is wearing another amazing dress. Uh, so I think clearly she's going to be one of my favorites. And then like, okay, the one other super weird thing I noticed was when Katie busts into the physical kid's house, she's wearing some like fanny pack or something like that. Did you notice this? No, she's wearing a fanny pack. I don't think it's quite a fanny pack, but it's like, I mean, it looks like it's like halfway between a fanny pack and like a saddlebag. And she's not a horse, so I feel like she shouldn't be wearing either. (laughs) I do actually like her outfit that she's wearing in the episode, though, like the long, flowy, like... Yeah. Yeah, the, like, long sweater coat thing over the shorts, shorts. Yeah. Like, she rocks those, like, really well. Yeah. And Jade has amazing hair. Can we just... (laughs) They all have amazing hair, really. But they do. It's, it's true. It's easy to have amazing hair when you have people putting lots of product into it and bending it to their will. That's fair. I, I still I want to honor it. For the I do. I, I love hers, and I always love Stella's hair. <laughs> yeah, and Stella's hair is great in this episode too. Have you seen Stella's hair like in real life when she hasn't done anything to it? It's insane. It's beautiful. <laughs> it looks really good on her, but mm. it hasn't. I haven't its own. seen it. What, okay, one thing one thing that makes me really sad about a lot of magicians is I feel like we don't see Stella's freckles, and I'm a big fan of freckles. You you can in some of the scenes just because the lighting plays to it, but because almost every scene with her is always in like a dark setting, you don't get to see them. Yeah, I just I I hope in season two they can like highlight that with her makeup sometime or something. I would love that. I really like her freckles. She's so beautiful. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Uh, Stella, we love you. Come on the show. <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah, really, please. <laughs> oh, God. J- Julia, for the, for, for the listening audience, Julia is, is like one of my favorite characters. I mean, I, I don't know. I say one of my favorite characters. They're all my favorite characters. But Julia, Janet, and Q especially, those are my peeps. I, I, mine is very similar, I think. Julia, yeah. Quentin, and then Elliot. You're probably Elliot, right? Yeah. <laughs> We'll talk when maybe when we'll, we'll talk sometime about. Uh, I do also love Alice. Yeah, I love in the books. I love Alice in the books. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't really connected with her in the show. And the thing is, right, like it's not that I don't think her character is interesting. It's just not. It's not the same character. It's not the same character. I think we'll get there. We have a while. We do. And actually, I mean, I like, we talked about this last episode, but I like Penny in the shows way better than I liked Penny in the books. Love Penny so. in the show. Hate yeah. Penny in the book. Sorry, Arjun. <laughs> well, Ar- Arjun doesn't play book Penny, so. But according to him, <laughs> he does. Yeah, we'll 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 have it out with him again about that. <laughs> um, but also, he's just wrong. Everyone says he's wrong. I am very so. afraid of what might happen with Quentin this this coming season because. What do you mean? I, I watched an interview on the Nerdist, like a live interview with Uh-oh. the main cast, and he was very mean towards Quentin, which was very different from how he talked about Quentin last season, so I'm afraid of what is in Quentin's future. Jason was, or Arjun was? Jason was. Oh, oh no! 
Jason, <laughs> get it to get, get, wait, what's, what's the line they keep repeating? What? There's some line they keep repeating about like, get a hold of your shit or something like that. Eh, whatever. Okay. So I think that covers all the fashion. Anything else that you really want to discuss before we go to ratings, MVP, all that? Oh, I like that the very last line of the whole episode is Margot saying, I like competition. Oh, yeah, I got that one, too, because this was, like, my favorite line in the show up until this point. And it, it really highlights everything that I love about Margot's character as distinct from Janet's. So, um, here it is. Where are you going, kitty cat? I'm done here. For good. You should be happy. Less competition. Alice. I like competition. Yeah, she does. I also love that she calls her kitty cat. I love it um, because, of course, it added fuel to the the malice fire. Yes. Um, I really, I never would have shipped them in the books. I mean, well, because they, it wouldn't work in the books, in my opinion. But I totally ship. But you definitely can, can ship Janet and Julia in the books. Yes, you can. And you should. Um, let's see. Any anything else? I don't think so. I think that's the last note yeah, that I had I think written. That's most of it. I had so many notes for this episode. I know you did too. I had a lot. Um, I feel like a lot of them were personal notes. Like, oh, I can't really get into that because of spoilers. And <laughs> I, I actually yeah. love how meme worthy this episode was, though. It's just yeah, so humorous. This episode is written by um, Henry Alonzo Myers. Uh, who is also the executive producer. And I think I really, so much of it is in the dialogue. I noticed it even in the dialogue that isn't pithy. So like in in that conversation between Julia and Q, there's more overlapping dialogue than there is in a lot of the other episodes. So they, they like talk on top of each other, which feels really, really natural. And I really appreciate it. And it also just has all of these pithy one-liners, which are just great. I remember someone very early on had asked Arjun, like, why do you get all the best lines? Like, why are you so funny? And he's all like, oh, it's the writers. They're hilarious. Yeah, the writers are fantastic. And I think they I think they really know the strengths of each of the characters. And so, right, Arjun does play this, like, does play Penny really angry with a huge chip on his shoulder, but also with a lot of, like, they use his anger humorously, like in that scene where he like chases Quentin down because Quentin is uh, singing Taylor Swift in his head. Quentin's reactions are so oh adorable, like how he's just like cowering, oh yeah. like <laughs> just like hiding around, hiding behind the tree and then peeking out. I <laughs> love that part. Safe. Oh, he's such a dork. <laughs> he really, is. he really is. Okay, so MVP. Who's your MVP for the episode? I definitely think it's Stella. Yeah, I think you're right. It's it, it was it was like a little bit of a toss up for a second for me between between Stella and Summer because because like I said, this was the first episode where I really noticed Margot's character and really felt like like they were using her well and like I could see not just how the role had changed from the books, but what Summer really brought to it. But Julia has so much more to do. Stella has so much more to do, and she does it really well. That speech is amazing. Julia's speech is what does it for me in that episode. It's just so beautiful and very just, like, sad, and you really feel for her. It's really full of emotion. 
and in in her delivery too, all of those little hitches in her voice and modulation of like the volume modulation. It's I don't know. I thought it was really impressive. So yeah, I think we're in agreement. Stella Stella Maeve MVP. Is that how you say her name? Is it Maeve? I want to say it is, but I'm not positive. Well, let's go with that. Stella Maeve Maeve VP. She might have to correct us on that, but. Yeah, well, come on the show and correct us. We're, we're down. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I'm just going to keep keep playing this tune until it works. Um, okay, so episode rating. Given that you love, hate it. I want to say it's probably like a 7 out of 10 for me. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's probably about the same for me. So somewhere a seven, seven and a half range. Like yeah. I said, there were there were things. I felt like there was a lot of dynamism in this episode. It was the first one that had that really clippy dialogue that I've loved. It, it really it really takes up in the next episode, in episode four for me. But this is where the storylines start to diverge in ways that are interesting. Like I feel like the show starts to come into itself as a separate entity. Yeah. Basically, it's just the Alice thing that I hate, and then um, the fact that they're suddenly living at the physical cottage just just makes me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's everything for this week, right? I think so. All right. We'll see you. We'll see you next week for season two, episode one. New content, very Woo! exciting. Um, and Arjun will be joining us then as well. Looking forward to it. Yes, very much so. Bye. Bye. Mind slide.